Hey, David. Yo. Have you been living in your loungewear for the past few years and you're in need of some new, high-quality, and stylish clothing? I literally feel like I've been living in rags. Now, what if I told you our friends at Diameter Apparel have got you covered? Their unique and sophisticated polos will keep you looking sharp, whether it's for the golf course or attending an evening dinner party. No way. Their Canadian-made, fully sublimated performance jerseys are super comfortable, and they will keep you cool while playing your favorite sport, taking first place with your squad, or even while you're working out. I, for one, love my three-quarter zip. It's lightweight and feels great even on the disc golf course. But Sean, where can I find out what they have? You can check out their latest designs by visiting diameterapparel.com. Again, that's diameterapparel.com. Welcome, welcome to another exciting episode of the Scene on Screen podcast where that's right, David's not here. So I get to do whatever I want. I get to say Star Wars was better when Ray became overpowered and David can't stop me. David, where are you? You can't hear me. Yes, Ray is the best. Ray is the best. I'm saying this as much as I can because I know I can't get caught. What's he going to do? Edit it out? please. Now, I'm here with a very exciting guest. I've got um, producer, writer, director, filmmaker from OTG Productions, Adam Glass with me today. Adam, how are you? Good, Sean. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm good, man. I'm good. Now, uh, our listeners don't know, but you and I go back uh, a few years playing some fantasy hockey and stuff. But uh, for us today, it's a very exciting opportunity because you're releasing a movie on uh, the festival circuit, I believe, and uh, you're coming on to tell us a little bit about it. So take it away. Uh, yeah, so on October 22nd at Highland Cinemas uh, in London, Ontario, I will be doing a screening of my film uh, Y2 Cameron, uh, which is a little indie comedy uh, a kind of a coming of age story about a kid and his buddies. Uh, who live in a small town and are up to some hijinks, if you will. Who doesn't like good hijinks? I mean, regular hijinks, okay, but good hijinks, I- I'm for. I watched the trailer. I got a few good laughs out of it. And I-, I wanted to know, really, what your motivation was when it came to this style of shooting and your sets. Because your sets kind of have two feelings for me. One, like, Zach and Miri made a porno. And also just like that, that grungy kind of high school comedy you saw in like the early 90s. And so it's a really fun watch, even your trailer. Uh, thank you. Uh, that is a big inspiration for me. I grew up like my formative years with movie watching was going and renting movies at seven day, seven dollar rentals. And I was still on VHS back then. And when the theater opened in Tilsonburg, where I grew up, uh, that kind of opened up all of the movie going to me. And we had $2 Tuesdays back when I was a kid. So I could go to the movies for $2. And I pretty much saw almost anything I thought was even half decent in theaters. And a big inspiration in the 90s was Kevin Smith. Uh, His comedies were a huge inspiration for me. 
And the grungy sets, honestly, um, we built a lot of our sets. A large portion of the things that you would have seen in that trailer, uh, we built inside of basically an old grocery store uh, because I thought uh, shooting a grocery store in a grocery store was a good idea, but I didn't have a grocery store. I had a giant empty cement block um, that I had to build all our sets in. So That's really cool. How did you access that like was it just something that was available to you and you were like hey this is great or did you rent it out for a little bit uh so thankfully the one reason i shot in tilsonberg where i grew up is i do have at least some connections and can kind of network my way through things so i was looking for i knew i was super low budget so the smallest amount of locations would be best because i could i can't really move a crew around and all that kind of stuff with lights and everything like that. Anytime you move, that's just more money that I didn't have. So I found basically what used to be an old grocery store um, that I thought would be the perfect location. It turns out I knew the person who owned the location, so I rented it for a couple months from them. And then we used that kind of as our base of operations. We built most of our sets in there, uh, and then we had all our you know rehearsals, and well, there weren't many of those, but we kind of used it as our home base for production then. So the bedroom scene was also like built inside there. Or did you guys use like a. Um... Yeah. So the bedroom scene was built in there. Um, a large, the only actual locations we used where there was a couple bars that we shot in uh, locally. And then also the Tilsonberg arena. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I laughed at that because I felt like it was a very Shoresy kind of vibe. I was like, I love this. The trailer doesn't give away too, too much. I haven't seen the movie yet. I hope to soon and hopefully at your your release. But I uh, I had a few questions about the trailer because, of course, that's, that's why we're here. Sure. Question number one. How many people thought or have called you out already for the Super Nintendo controller and the, the Nintendo game cartridges? Uh, so the trailer kind of cuts it in a way that doesn't it kind of makes it look incongruous, if you will. Um, the one friend that he has doesn't like video games and doesn't really care about them. So he's kind of, I'm trying to remember what exact point in the trailer is it. Are they looking through games or? Uh, he, I can't remember what he says, but he drops the game into the, right. like the storage container. And yeah, then like yeah. two seconds later, it's a Super Nintendo controller. Yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, I wonder. So basically that old storage container of nes games is mine that's my original nes storage container from when i was a kid okay so that's epic most of actually to be honest anything you see generally in the background or on camera is mine for the most part um there's old wrestlers those old big rubber wrestler figurines those were mine and my friends like so the nes games basically his room is so full of collectibles and his friend just doesn't care about video games that much that he's just pulling out these random games. And yeah. in that scene, he's throwing them across the room and annoying his friend as he's doing it because he doesn't care. He's just like, hey, why don't we play this one or whatever as his friend's trying to play Super Nintendo. Got it. Okay, cool. Because like, I know we talked off uh, off air and we knew you knew this question was coming. It's not like it was yeah, a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> and listeners, we are not calling him out. It is a video game podcast. Now, memorabilia wise. I was sifting through the trailer and there's a scene because I already saw the Ecto one on the the dresser when he's on the computer. But you have the Ghostbuster house. 
Correct. I have core memories unlocked with that Ghostbuster house. I had that thing until it broke. And it broke because I stood on it trying to like hang off our ceiling <laughs> in our basement because we had that old like drop down stuff. Yeah. But I played the crap out of that toy. I loved the Ghostbusters more than life itself, I think, when I was a kid. Uh, I that is my original Ghostbuster house. I still own it. And my kid currently does play with it. Gee, that's incredible. And they're one of my favorite shots in the entire movie. Uh, is there is a shot where our DOP shoots from the back of the Ghostbuster house through the windows into a scene. That is so cool. <laughs> I, yeah. just, I, I love that toy. I was at a collectible shop in Toronto and I saw one. It, it had that and I think it was like it came with Egon and Venkman maybe. So there was two of them. <laughs> And the pole was there. Everything was right there. The Slimer looked kind of broken. And the guy wanted 130 bucks for it. I was like, ah. So the the best part about that toy when you originally got it is something that you can basically never find anymore. And even if you do, you kind of don't want to use it. But it came with slime. Do you remember that? Yeah. It came with a container of slime. And you could pour it through the top of the house because there was a grate there. And then it would come down through the Ghostbuster house. But like by the time you could only use it like three because it would get dirty or go everywhere or whatever. But if you can actually find it with the sealed slime, that's the key one. Yeah, there is a collectible place in London that has one right now that I've been eyeing. And it's about 150 bucks. But it has all four Ghostbusters. And if I want to include the Ecto-1, I wish I kept those toys, but they got destroyed. Myself, uh, yeah. and, uh, like a brother three years younger than I am, we destroyed a lot of toys. Um, the grate in was amazing in theory, but that's also where Spider-Man hung. Because Spider-Man hung out of the Ghostbuster house a lot. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, it was it was just a cool place for him to hang out. So We had, I had the Ninja Turtles over a lot at my Ghostbuster house. Oh, man. They would have been like rad party dudes. Uh, <laughs> I ha- they made a mess. <laughs> pizza everywhere <laughs> they probably broke the pole the pole i think got used as a sword a few times because it was like just the perfect length to like swing around mm-hmm. the the collectibles alone guys you got to check out this trailer just to see the nostalgia factor now when i saw the logo originally when you sent me the trailer i was like wow i was automatically assuming it was either going to be a animated or be very Scott Pilgrim inspired. <laughs> and the trailer didn't disappoint. I really did feel a, the nostalgic factor, but there was like good wholesome laughs. I'm trying to remember the name of the director, but he's the director of the American pies. I think it's Adam Scott or Adam something, but I felt some of that influence there. Like it definitely felt like there was some possible real life connections to the, the film. Is that true or is it all um, written and inspired by you? It's you to say anything just only comes out of my brain would just be very not true. I mean, Fair. almost every character in that film is loosely based on somebody I know or a friend, or sometimes there are people in that movie that are friends of mine that I'm just like, you just be that character. And it's not some of the supporting cast, I wouldn't say, have a lot of depth as characters, but I think they what they do, they do very well at it. Um, and it's it's a comedy I feel like I don't see much of anymore. Um, just kind of that indie style, 
you know, coming of age comedy, you know, even like when I was younger, Jed Apatow had that big run. Yeah. Where he was coming out with all those. And you don't really see those, especially theatrically anymore. And I think that was part of the reason that somebody like me who had never made a movie before or didn't even know how to necessarily do it just said, I'm just going to make a movie that I not only I want to laugh at, but I think my friends will laugh at too. And there's no movie in the history of movies that I've seen more than this one. It's just not ever going to be possible for me to ever see a movie between all the cuts and filming it and, you know, post-production and all that. And there are still times when I go to watch it where I look forward to a certain scene because it's going to make me laugh again. I'm really excited to see a movie that's like that. Uh, it, his name was Adam Hers, And I remember seeing in a documentary about American Pie how every character was loosely based on somebody he went to high school with. And it sounds very similar to what you're saying now. And you're, you're totally right. I think even if you ask like the Kevin Smiths or Judd Apatow's of the world, every single character they have is based on them. Like somebody they've like known in their life. This is uh or what was it? Knocked up. And this is 40 Leslie yep. Mann and Paul Rudd's character is literally Paul Rudd being Judd in their relationship. The and it's different... Judd and Leslie's kids too. Yeah. The only difference <laughs> is it's Paul. So yeah. it's like, it's really cool. I'm really excited to see this is 50 when it finally gets produced and everything. Yeah. But it'll be a good time. So what else do you want to tell us about your film? Um, Come see it. <laughs> come see it, guys. London, come see it. I, I just, it's, it was, it was a dream. Like it, it still doesn't seem possible that it's done and that I've even shown it to people. Um, the fact that I can even tell people not only that I finished it, but that they can come see it is just at this point, anything that happens with this film is all just a bonus to me. Like even finishing it and getting it done when I had no right to even start it, <laughs> let alone get it finished. Um, it just, it was a lot of hard work from a lot of people. Like I did, you know, basically 20 hour days, like seven days a week, basically for probably 12 week straight just wow. to like get everything done because any job that I couldn't afford to pay somebody for I had to do or I did part of it and then you know my producer would fill in the other half like and there was constantly things coming up that you never expected like you know getting a location for November and December and realizing that the heat doesn't work <laughs> yeah that that's a real thing and I... and that when the heat gets turned on you realize it's too loud for while you're shooting oh but it's also too hard to shut off. Yeah. So you find somebody who owns a moving company that's not busy right now and you take every moving blanket he has and you basically soundproof all your tiny little sets so you can run heat for the actors. That's so good. <laughs> I have a wow. hundred stories like that, honestly, over the course of that shooting. Just it, it, everything that could happen seemed to happen, but we finished it. That was the coolest part. So how about this? When David is not under the weather and he's recovered from me telling the world that Ray is amazing, being super <laughs> overpowered, what I'll do is we'll bring you on and we'll do like tales of a filmmaker because David and I both went to school for broadcasting and we both shot pilots for television shows. And some of the stories from those are very similar to yours, but like, you're kids. You have no budget. You're like using people's apartments. You're asking to like get 
locations. You're emailing people frantically to see if you can use their music because you don't want to use copyright free stuff. All that kind of goes on. So it's like wild and different. And we'd be really excited to keep sharing that and having those conversations. I mean, that would be awesome. And the one thing that I will say that people probably don't think about, and it was probably one of the biggest issues on set during all that time was food. Oh, yeah. Food and catering. When you're shooting in a small town that has no idea what a film production is or what qualifies as catering for a film production, feeding people twice a day, you know, all weekend is is tough. It's and tough. expensive and expensive for sure. Well, yeah, yeah, expensive to you. You, you got to go to your actors and be like, hey, lunch is going to be 10 bucks each. Yeah, that's the, the the other problem is, too, you want to just give them, you know, ideally, you want to give them the cheapest food possible, but that doesn't work when you're working. Like, we worked a minimum 12-hour day. Like, yeah. there was no, like, that was the minimum. There wasn't, like, it was 12 or more. So we did two one-hour breaks, and you can't feed people heavy foods and expect them to work a 12-hour day after they had, you know, an eight-foot sub with meatballs on it or whatever, yeah. right? So, so, yeah, it was just little things like that constantly popping up that that we never would have expected or locations not being ready or not being what we thought they would be or yeah it's it was it was fun though i'd do it again tomorrow even though it was probably the most exhausted i've ever been in my life after we finished <laughs> so instead of y2 cameron it'll be like the sequel uh the joke is y3 cameron and we, like and we do it as like a sci-fi movie but i don't i don't think that's I have an idea in my head for a potential sequel. I've had it for a few years now. I haven't written it or anything, but I kind of know what I wanted, how I would tackle it. If if you had the choice between a sequel, a new film, or a television pilot, what would you do? I mean, just the fact that I would have the option to do that again, I wouldn't care. <laughs> hey. I would love to just have the opportunity, but any... I... The sequel is interesting to me because it would give me a chance potentially to work again with a lot of people that I now consider family, um, if you will. Like when you yeah. go through something like that, the cast, the crew, like some of us became really close over it. And when we get together, it does feel like seeing, you know, family that you haven't seen for a while again. So to get to hang out with them again in that capacity, I think would be that would be my choice was to get to make a sequel in a way that we can all experience what an actual film set feels like and looks like and sounds like and, you know, works like. <laughs> no, that's that's great. And that's like really inspiring to hear. And I, I truly hope it works out for you um, because we would love to continue this on, follow along with it. David would love to make a cameo. I'm just volunteering him for it now. He's going to he's going to listen to this back and post and just be like this son of a bitch. <laughs> it's going to be great. Uh, if if he's a cameo in the next film, can we make his name uh, Ray Stan or Stan Ray? Yes, absolutely. Okay. But only if his last name is Walker Sky. Walker because Sky. J- okay. Just to make sure that he's like just annoyed enough. What um, if uh, what if his name is Stan Ray and he's a pilot? So like he walks in the sky. I like it. In your so sci-fi right movie, Stan Ray, and like he's native of London, so he is from London, and. I'm sure he'd love that. I, I'm truly, truly sure he would love that. I'll and David that knows I can. <laughs> I just now have all the power and he's going to be mad. Um, before we move on or like head our separate ways for the day, um, 
you also got to experience one of our, I think it was our second ever SOS TWB trivia nights. How'd you find that? I enjoyed myself very much. I you- I need less country next time and the music trivia, but other than that, I enjoyed myself. So just for the record, because we know some of you who come to trivia, listen to this podcast, three out of 10 is 30%. 30% is not too much. I tried to keep it balanced. The The theme for those who didn't attend was drinking songs. And the songs that were included were Fake ID by Big and Rich and Day Drinking by Little Big Town. And then there was a contestable like Red Solo Cup by Toby Keith. But a lot of people also thought Nathaniel Ratliff's SOB was country. But that's kind of like more folk, grungy, yelling music. Yeah. Um, but is there a reason you didn't choose uh, one bourbon, one scotch, and one beer by George Thurgood? I, I did because people would have been like, "Oh, it's more country." Uh, but literally, that's literally not I country. Was, Don't I even know, try. That that's the that's the vibe. I I wanted to go with um, stuff that I could easily walk people to the course mm. without actually like giving away the song. Strange fruit by uh, Cream. We tried there. Like I had about 15, 16 <laughs> songs. And then I usually test my trivia on like two or three people that I know can't come to see if it's about right. 60% benchmark. And the average last night was about 75, 80 for that round, which was really cool. I will shout out though. You were there for it. You got to see the contest in full action. The argument of all arguments happened. We did. You give love a bad name by Bon Jovi (laughs) and a table thought it was shot to the heart. And for a second there, I almost bought it. I was like, Oh, maybe people just accidentally put it like that on YouTube. I did not know as the trivia master for the evening that shot to the heart was its own song. And the table that discovered this literally talked themselves out of the points (laughs) Uh, by like reading the Wikipedia and be like, oh, often confused by, <laughs> dang it, was very funny. But overall, it was a pretty cool night, and we're we're excited to keep the experience alive. We're just working on details on the next few. Uh, I will cool. definitely definitely come to the next one. Uh, I did very badly at the TV show categories. I realized that I don't watch a lot of the same TV as a lot of other people, but I did very well on movies. <laughs> The movie, the movie poster round was really fun. Um, again, for people who didn't attend, we tried to tell a story last night. It was part of Waterloo's Craftoberfest, and TWB is heavily involved with that. And we tried to get everybody on the journey of a night. So the pre-drinks is like, where do you want to go to the bar? So absolutely every answer was a television bar. That was the, the beauty of that. And then the next round, we did at the bar. So what you're actually drinking at the bar. And it was everything that like was a signature drink for a television character. Some teams did really, really well last night. The, uh, the final jeopardy question for me was quite interesting because a lot of people blew, like went for it all. There was like two other teams that still had points at the end. And one team actually got the question, which was really cool. The, uh, do you remember what the answer was? Yes, because I pictured that can in my head the whole night and I could not pull the name off of it. And I was so annoyed once I finally heard it. So for all you listeners, it was what beer 
um, or this TV beer that is a fake beer is labeled uh, the Bud Light of fake beers. It's enjoyed by many TV characters, including Jake Peralta, um, Nick from New Girl, and Steve the Hare Harrington. And it's that red bottle and can that you've all seen. Heisler. <laughs> Heisler. So many people were like, oh, <laughs> uh. damn. But it was a lot of fun. And I'm glad you had a lot of fun because it's it's encouraging to see more and more people come out. And I think that's really cool that you were able to to make it out for our our event last night or uh, i would definitely like to come out for any hints on what the next theme might be so you're asking for the nugget for the listeners i like that so we're in between if and this is a big if if we're able to we might do a halloween themed one oh but we're on some time constraints right now because we've got a we we've acknowledged that we might have to move the party inside sooner rather than later we know for a fact, there will be a, a very heavily Christmas themed episode or uh, trivia night. And we're possibly thinking about doing an either How I Met Your Mother or Mini Simpsons one coming up as well. I just can't think of a, a good theme for November. You know, mm. like movies about shopping. TV what if you do what if you do Christmas movies that people say aren't Christmas movies? So that that is one of the categories we were thinking about, but then everything becomes contestable, right? So you go Die right. Hard and Bruce Willis said it's not a Christmas movie, so that apparently makes it canon now. So <laughs> that's the struggle that we have, right, going forward. So I think with the Christmas one, there's going to be a little bit more audio because the one thing that's very definitive and like, I want to do like the top X amount of like theme songs of all time for movies that are definitively theme songs for that movie. And you know it, like it's not, it's not like it's I can use fun. a punk, a punk vampire weekend, which opens Step Brothers. Yeah. Like it's not something that's in every single movie. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's, like there is one round that I have where it's going to be like the most overused movies or songs and movies, which is already written and prepared. Hint, hint, listeners. I might come up soon. But yeah, they, I have some really good audio rounds, including, but not limited to, finish the quote, Christmas edition, and finish the quote, movie edition. So we have a lot of stuff going on, and it's really cool that I think we're the only people doing it where it's just TV, film, and games. We're the we're the only one in town that's not doing like um, history or geography or world issues, right? We're just we're trying to have some fun and doing it very specialized, and it's just doing well. We're 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 happy. Uh, also, shout out the TWB American Brown Ale, which was very tasty last night. Is that the one you had? Uh, that and Odie Mico face. I like my stouts and darker beers. I like fun named beer. <laughs> I had the oh I can't remember I ha- I had their their hops one their I think it was called bitter bitter night um, hops or bitter something hops I feel bad for butchering it, uh, it but it is it was very good I was I was very happy with how I felt after those few beers it was a it was a good <laughs> night I'm trying to think of the name which makes terrible podcasting but we do this all all the time to ourselves and it was called bitter harvest. It was a six point nine IPA. 
and it felt like a 6.9 <laughs> like i i i felt a good buzz yeah they had a russian imperial stout there the last year i think i got it maybe last fall and it was pretty high up there in the percentage and i kind of wish they would bring that back again i really like that one yeah so uh as a non-advertisement advertisement for our partners at TWB, it's the best kept secret in Kitchener, and we don't want it to be a secret anymore. It's very good. It's a nice co-op brewery, and there's lots of really great beers, ales, ciders out of there. It's a good time. It's good. Good everything. Always really friendly, too. Yeah, they are some of the nicest people you'll ever meet. So... Adam, that concludes our our time slot for today. Do you have anything else or last thoughts you want to say to to our listeners to encourage them to check out your show or sorry, your movie? And if there's an online opportunity for it soon, we will definitely plug it for you. Uh, October 22nd, nine o'clock Highland Theater. Uh, well, Highland Cinemas, London, Ontario. Tickets are on sale now on their website. We are doing a cast and crew Q&A after the screening. Uh, so there is that also, um, I've done a few preview screenings already and it's got a really great response. And if you do want to see the movie, I highly recommend seeing it with an audience because I truly believe that is the best way to see it. It's not one of those ones where if you see it just by yourself, you're like, I don't get it. But if somebody else laughs, you're like, Oh my God, that's supposed to be funny. Like it's, I honestly, I've seen it screened in front of people three times now, and every time I've seen it screened, there are different parts that gets laughs that didn't get laughs the previous screening. Some parts get harder laughs, and it's really, that's kind of my favorite part almost, just to see where the crowd vibe ends up coming out. Interesting. I'm in. Also, for you listeners, just as a a nice uh, final little tease, Adam here is also the host of Pucks Off the Dasher, a hockey podcast. Um, my team in fantasy hockey gets roasted on it every once in a while because I do stupid things, but we all do. And that's what makes it fun. But if you guys like hockey podcasts, his podcast is definitely one to check out him and his co-host Tyler are really informative and fun to listen to. And, uh, you might learn something along the way, like new words for hundred thousand millions. That's a, that's a term (laughs) I've learned recently from yours truly Adam over here, but check out his podcast, check out his movie for myself. And David, who cannot say he's so cool tonight. Thank you so much, Adam, for coming onto the show. We really appreciated it. And we will catch you guys all on the next episode of the Scene on Screen podcast.